All right. So excited to kick off this series called We Church, Not Me Church. And uh, one of the prayers we prayed before we even started this church, which in January we will have completed our third year and uh, third full year. And so before this church was ever even a church, it was a prayer and it was a desire and it was a word from God. And one of the things we really prayed about was that this would be a multiple, a multi-generational church, uh, not just a church for me, not just a church maybe for an older generation, uh, but a church for all of us. Uh, I envision services like this with little kids running around and making noise. Why? Because this is a we church. We belong. And this is for everybody. Amen? And the reason that's really important when it comes to reaching our kids, and today I want to talk about the importance of this generation in reaching our kids, uh, is because God cares very much about generations. God works in generations. Uh, when God literally sees us, he sees us in generations and heritages. Uh, do you know that there is uh, multi-generational blessings and inheritances? We believe that physical inheritance are significant. It's important, you know, to, to try to work in a way that you can leave things for the next generation. But just as much as you have a plan for those things, you should have a will in a plan for blessings that you're imparting into the next generation and your kids and grandkids. Amen. The scripture says that the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom, meaning that this continues to go on. When you get a victory in your life, that's everlasting, and you can pass that on to the next generation. Every time the kingdom wins, that is everlasting, and it can be passed on. I believe in generational heritage and blessing. The scripture says often that it went from generation to generation. What God did was to be commanded from generation to generation. Oftentimes you would see in scripture, in scripture, God would say things like, hey, stack stones there along your way, or do this in remembrance of what God did in your life so that future generations can know the goodness and the glory of God. Well, it's the same way in our lives. There should be things in our life that we say, hey, God did this, and God taught us this, and God showed us this, and now I'm going to put practices and things in place that I know that the next generation gets these. Amen. Uh, he said things like this. Uh, I, I, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He spoke in generations. Why? Because we should be multi-generational minded. Uh, when you think about it, and, and you could put it in either term, but when you think about it, God is interested in the father, the son, and the grandchildren. Every time you talk about God and the things that God has done, it's not just for you. It's for the father, the son, and the grandchildren. We should have that same mindset. Amen. I thought about it like this. When you got saved or when you came into the kingdom of God, when you got in relationship with God, God got in blessing position for your kids. So you got in right relationship with God and you got your, your life right. And then you have some kids and you have some heritage. God is literally not just saying, hey, I'm so glad that we saved and delivered. But look at this. I'm positioning myself to be able to get blessing over these generations. We should have that same mindset, not just here in church, but in our families. It's not just about me and my blessing from God. It's about we. Amen. Psalm 105.8 says this. He remembers his covenant forever the promises he made for a thousand generations. God is a generational God. It matters what we do with those that are underneath us. And it matters with what we do with the generations above us. Uh, I thought about this. We love traditions. We get excited. I'm a sports guy, and so I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. And so when you have a kid, uh, you get excited to pass those traditions on. So as soon as your little one is born, 
you have a Michigan onesie and you know, you're excited to pass on. Charlie, my son, this is true. Uh, literally one of his first five uh, words that he said and put together, he literally, in his first five words, he literally said, go blue. Uh, right, Jess, my wife? Uh, and it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to pass on. Uh, we ride dirt bikes and, and we do these different things. And so uh, a couple of days ago, Charlie was, uh, he's in our backyard running around like this. He's running around the backyard like he has motorcycle handlebars and he's going and he's jumping up and down like he, and it's exciting to see him be excited about what I'm excited about the dirt bikes and all the fun stuff. And so we, we get real excited and intentional about passing on hobbies or traditions. Uh, you know, maybe you're a, a mom and you like to pass on uh, a thing that you craft or a thing that you bake. We get very intentional about those things that we pass on. But I wonder how intentional we are about passing on godly heritages and godly practices and godly uh, traditions, even if you will, things that you get excited about. How are we making sure we instill those things in the next generation? Because God is looking at that. Psalm 127.4. Uh, many of us have probably heard the scripture. It says, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Children are like, are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Our children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, when we think of our kids, especially when they're young, everything is about cute, right? They come out, <laughs> excuse me, and it's about cute. Uh, how can we get them in the cutest, in the cutest, in the cutest everything, and, and everything has got to be so cute and perfect, and then we do the terrible things like we put them inside pumpkins, and we put them in, we take pictures of it. everything is cute, but God sees our children, God sees our children like warriors, God sees our children like future successes, God sees our children as vessels that he's going to use to deliver people and generations, do you know that every time God delivers and sets free, he does it through people? And what's awesome about God is he can't wait to start using his people even at a young age. You can go all throughout the scripture, whether you talk about Samuel or other people, he takes a look at those at a very young age and God uses them and uses them and uses them. And so God sees our young people and our kids as future successes and deliverers. He says they, they're weapons to be used, if you will. Uh, Gen Genesis twenty two seventeen says this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. I love this part here. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Again, this is God saying, listen, when we uh, are transferring our blessing, when we're putting God's successes in our life into the next generation, there's nothing that can stop them. He'll literally give them success in the places of their enemies. But what do we have to do? We have to pass that on to future generation. God sees our kids as warriors. Sometimes we as parents, at the end of the day, we see our kids as terrorists, right? <laughs> I mean, they are weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> you go down in their bedroom or their living room and you go, surely acts of evil have happened down here, <laughs> right? <coughs> Excuse me, but, Dad, or, but God sees them. God sees them as something he can, use as he can use. God always chooses to redeem the time with people, and he doesn't put age on that. As soon as they're here, there is generational blessing already instilled on the inside of them. And the scripture calls them a gift for us to unwrap. Uh, the scripture says that happy is the man whose quiver is full. Meaning the more that we have, meaning, meaning uh, we're blessed to be able to have many kids and, and blessings and these things in our life. Happy is that person. Why? Because the quiver is what you keep the arrows in. 
The quiver is the thing that, that you keep your heart. And so happy is the man who is full. Why? Because he has the understanding that I have the opportunity to aim all of these things. I have this great blessing on my life to be able to have a quiverful of things that God has entrusted me to aim for success. We need to have that same mindset that, man, God has given me these children. God has given us this next generation. And we have the opportunity to aim them. Amen? Uh, I thought about this. Parents, you are the bow. You're the bow. You're, we take the arrow and we place it on the bow. And the bow is, this, uh, is what decides the direction. And, and uh, I'm not much of a hunter. Uh, I actually don't hunt at all. Uh, but I've recently, so I'm not much of a hunter. That means I don't hunt at all. Um, well, we have a couple Nerf guns, so no. But I've started shooting handguns recently, actually. And, uh, and so what I've started to learn is, obviously, uh, the more distance you're off, the further you're off when you get to the target. If you're close to your target and you're a little bit off, you're not that off. But the further back and the further back and the further back you get, you might be off the same degree, but because of the distance you've let it go, it becomes way more off the target. Am I right, hunters and shooters, right? Okay. Uh, and the same thing happens to us as the parents with the bow. The more compromise we make, it may not be that big of a deal when you make just a little, but you're still close and you're right where God's standard and you're there and you're holding it up the best that you can and you're close and you're off a little bit, but you're close. But the more we compromise and the more that we slack and the more that we let ourselves get distance, that degree off becomes a big deal off. Amen. And so we as parents, we got to make sure that we're staying close to a standard. What is your standard about the things that you see and watch and talk about in front of your kids? Amen. What is the standard about how many times you're going to be in church and have your kids there? What's your standard about how you're going to serve and lead and, and teach them? Amen. Because the more we get away from the standard of God, the more off our aim is going to be with our kids. Amen. So it's important for us to stay disciplined and steady. If everyone here was polled, we would say, is it important for us to reach the next generation? Do you think it's important? And of course, we would all say yes. As a matter of fact, most of your life, if you have kids, uh, most of your life is actually spent for the next generation. I mean, if you think about it, you know, when you get married and then you have kids, you really didn't spend a significant amount of your life even into grandparenting, setting up and protecting and nurturing or nesting a next generation, right? We have young kids, three and a half and one and a half. And so most of our decisions, our schedule, our money, the type of house that we have, the, you know, trust me, uh, the baby gates I hate, you know, the door jams, you know, keep me out of the pantry, all those things I hate. But we're setting up the future generation. So much of our life, we actually understand uh, you know what? It's about the next generation. It's about nesting and nurturing and setting up the next generation. But we need to keep the same ideas when it comes to the blessings that we set. How much in our spiritual life have we considered the gates and the, and the guards and all of the things in our kids' life to make sure that they grow up successful? Amen? I thought about it with our church too. How much more is it important for us to make sure a church revolves around the next generation? If much of our natural life is lived for the next generation, how much more should the church life be about the next generation? Wouldn't you say it's one of the most important things we can do is have an impactful, incredible kids ministry? Why? Because we're, we as a church are also like that bow. We're aiming these kids toward a direction. I thought about it like this. We will not have victory, especially in this country, until generations work together. An arrow is no good without a bow and vice versa. 
A bow is no good without an arrow, and an arrow is no good without a bow. We need two things working together. And unfortunately, in church culture, we've had older generations refuse to work with younger generations, and younger generations refuse to work with future generations. And those two things not combined, we aren't aiming anything, we aren't hitting any targets. It's important for us to be a we church, not just a me church the way that we like it. We need to understand all generations. Amen? I think it should be the same thing about this church. Happy is a church whose quiver is full. I thought about it like this. You aren't just trying to get through 18 years. Oh, we've had kids and we're just trying to get them out of the house. We're just trying to get them to college. We just got to get through these 18 years. No, that's not the philosophy. The philosophy is you're trying to aim them for success. You're trying to aim them for God's target. You're trying to aim them toward their destiny. People say, well, you got to be careful though, because you can't shelter them. And I hate this so much. Well, you got to be careful though, what you're talking about aiming and, you know, you might be controlling, you know, you might be sheltering your kids too much. Well, I'm sorry. I don't really want my kid to come back and say, um, Hey, you know, uh, Thank you for raising me, um, but you know, I really wish you would have sheltered me a little more. I don't want my kid to come back and be, I would much rather my kid say, hey, thank you so much that you love me so much that you sheltered me. At times, did I miss out on things that I think were important to me? Maybe. But at the end of the day, I know that you cared about me and you were aiming me versus my children wondering, hey, why didn't they take the time to shelter why didn't they take the time to protect me? And maybe shelter is the wrong word. But, but, but why didn't they? I, I would hate for them to come back and say, but I wish they really would have spent some more time aiming me. I really wish they would have spent some more time making sure they protect me and things. I really wish they would have spent some more time talking to me about these things and these things and keeping me from these things. Amen? People say, well, you know, kids can't grow up in protective environments. You know, you can't have like a perfect little greenhouse for your kids. Well, you know what grows in greenhouses? You know what grows in perfect environments? Seedlings, little things. I do believe that we should protect our kids from things. I do believe that we should make perfect environments for them that they can grow up. And then when they're rooted and strong, you release them into things that they've been trained up in and well-equipped to be able to handle. Amen? Amen. I believe in standard. If you take a look at culture, how much standard has been thrown out the window and look at the result of it. There is like no reasoning in culture anymore. One person says one thing, the other sees it another way, another sees it another way. It's ridiculous. Why? Because we need to set standards again. Amen? I'll close with this thought. 20% of, our, of, of national attendance, uh, church attendance, the national average is in the 20% range uh, of kids to adults. So fifth grade and under, the national average is in the 20% range. Here at Vertical Church, we run in the 50% range of our adults. I'm pretty sure people just come here and drop off their kids and like either go to another church. I don't know if I should be offended or breakfast or something. I don't know. But we don't care because we love it. Why? Because we believe in having a quiver full here. We believe in reaching the next generation. We believe that this is a we church, not a me church. There's things here that stylistically I'm not even into. But I realize that's where culture is. I realize that's what some people need to be able to receive from God and to have an understanding. And we need to balance both. We need to have all generations working together. And so to see a church with a quiverful running in the 50% range of kids, we're so blessed by that. Psalm 78 gives us a really incredible perspective on how we should raise up the next generation. It says this, it's a little bit of a lengthy read, but I want to pull a couple points out of here. Psalm 78 says this, my people... 
hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old. So it's saying I'm going to talk about things from past generations that you may not know because you weren't there. Verse three, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Talking about multiple generation. Then it says we will not hide from their descendants. We will tell them. Remember the word tell them. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and wonders he has done. Verse five, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach. Remember the word teach, their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And then in turn, they would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. The most important thing that we hear is that they would put their trust in God, they would not forget his deeds, and they would keep his commands. That's the most important thing you can do in your life. Trust God, not forget what he's done in your life, stay grateful, and then keep his commands. But there's two words that I want to show here. He says something two different ways, which is really important for us. He says, tell the next generation, and then he says, teach the next generation. <clears throat> My dad raised me, obviously, and uh, he could have done this when I was a young man. He could have said, hey, Josh, um, that's a weed whacker. That's a lawnmower. I'm going to tell you this. That's a weed whacker. That's a lawnmower. You put gas in there. You pull the string. You start it. It starts. You change the idle. You know, it gets ready. When it's ready, then you go out. You drop the deck. You know, it pulls up the grass. It goes in the bag. Then when you're done, you empty the bag. You wash it off. He could tell me that. How many think I would be very successful at that? If, if he just told me. No, because he just told me about it. Instead, what we have to do is we have to teach people how to do it. So instead, what you do is you say, hey, next generation, here's what you do. See this? This is a weed whack. See, th this is how you pull it. This is how I'm showing you. You're watching me do it. I'm an example for you. I'm living it out for you. This is how you adjust it. And then when you get out, this is the line. And here's how you change the deck. And then these are how I'm teaching you. We've had far too many generations telling us about God, but not teaching us about God. I would say much of the church has gone stagnant because all we do is tell people about the things of God instead of, hey, come with me while we're experiencing and I'm teaching you and showing you how this works. Amen. Are you with me? In parenting, when God just becomes like a sticker on the refrigerator or a Bible story that's cute that we read at nighttime, if it's just telling and we're not living it out, if they aren't seeing you serve, if they aren't seeing you give, if they aren't seeing you extend forgiveness, if they aren't seeing you, although if you're not teaching them how it works, then we won't end up doing these three things. Raising a generation that trusts God, never forgets his deeds, and keeps his commands. He says you have to tell them and teach them, tell them and teach them, tell them and teach them. We need to be a church that tells them and teaches them. We have some adults right now upstairs in kids' ministry that are getting really weird. <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable. <laughs> Go get our kid. <laughs> I mean, they are jumping and dancing and singing some really crazy songs. They're playing weird games. They're doing all this stuff for the kids. Why? Because they're teaching them. 
how to worship God. They're teaching them. Do you know that when you serve in kids ministry, when you sign up and say, hey, I want to make an impact on the next generation, up there in their formidable years, you're writing some of the first pages of God in their life. They're blank canvases up there, young kids that you get to say, hey, here's the goodness and the works of God. Go live it out. I'm teaching you how it is. My prayer would be that we have more children and adults up in kidsmen than we have in this room on a Sunday. Let's invest everything in our kids. Let's serve everything. Let's put everything up there. Why? Because if we can teach them the scripture promises for generations, they will carry on trusting God, remembering his works and keeping his commands. Amen. And it's important for us to tell it their way. You got to teach it in ways that you understand. I don't know what idle means. I don't know what pulling the rope means in the beginning. I don't know what deck and bay. I don't know what that, but as a parent, you can speak those things out in a language that they understand. That's what kids ministry is. That's what lights are. That's what genes are. That's what it's like. Hey, let, let's speak in a way that you understand. Let's speak in a way that you get it because we want to go through this with you. And it's on both sides. Amen. The scripture knows this. If the enemy can get them while they're young, the enemy knows if he can get them while they're young, he can take them out. But God knows if we can get them while they're young, his scripture promises, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're young, they will not depart from it. What's another way of train? Teach. It doesn't say tell them the way that they should go. It's train them, teach them, show them, live it out with them in a way. And then when they grow old, they won't depart. Amen.